this with the following. If you're a professional athlete who can't handle being booed, just being booed, you're in the wrong line of work. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins where you found this. Mets 7, Pirates 2 last night in New York. Almost nothing to talk about regarding that game. (laughs) I, I might even drop the almost. Quinn Priester was lousy again. His ERA is at 9.1. He can't throw a fastball through a wet paper towel. And, yeah, that's about it. So we might as well discuss some other news on the day related to the Pirates, but kind of after the fact. Austin Hedges was not a popular player in Pittsburgh. And I'm going to underscore the word player. The next individual in any walk of life that I hear say Hedges was some bad dude or turned people off with his personality or whatever will be the first. And even if they did say it, they'd be lying. He's actually really, really affable. The kind of guy that the moment you start talking to him, you feel like you've known him for years. But he's also a player. And if you're a player and you're on a baseball diamond or a football field or a hockey rink, you are going to be subject to, you know, cheers and also booze. That's just part of the profession. Hedges, who's now part of the Texas Rangers, went on the Chris Rose show yesterday and he said the following. I'm going to read it verbatim regarding getting booed at PNC Park. Yeah, that sucked, dude. That was wild. I didn't expect that. You know, I was really excited to play in Pittsburgh this year. My mom grew up there, so I went there all the time. I went to Pirates games with my grandpa who passed away, so it was really cool. I was really excited for this year. Things just didn't go as well for me offensively as I wanted. And the second they started calling up some catchers, man, the fans just like... It was like out of nowhere on one day. I'm wondering, was there like a group text? Like, how did they all know? The booing was really, really in sync. They were like, all right, everybody, here we go. It's time. We're booing Hedgie every time now. Here we go. And they did. And I'm like, what? Why? It's all my fault? But it was tough. I've had to overcome a lot in this game, just like everybody has to overcome a lot. If you're going to be in the big leagues, it's really, really hard. So everybody's going through a lot everybody day. But this was one I didn't necessarily know how to overcome. Now, Hedges goes on to say that he spent some time talking about this with the Pirates mental skills coach. That's one of those things that's going to get misunderstood and blown up unfairly. Players do this every single day about every little thing. That's why the mental skills coach is there. He's everyone's friend. I watch these guys. They sit in the dugout. They spend time with everyone before batting practice, after batting practice. That's just routine. So don't turn that into he had to go and get mental help or something like that. That said, dude, no, just No, 
the fans did not conspire on any given day to boo you all at once just because Henry Davis and Andy Rodriguez were beginning their steps into the majors. They weren't booing you because they didn't appreciate that you were looking forward to playing in Pittsburgh because of something related to your mom or your late grandfather or any of that other stuff. They booed you because you can't hit and because you've never been able to hit and because, and this is the part that is not your fault at all, Your manager kept throwing you out there day after day after day, and your general manager paid $5 million for one year of your services despite knowing that you can't hit. Everyone was being booed. There's no way you're dense enough to have not processed all of that. I didn't even mention Charrington getting booed, although I think you might have hinted at that because it took forever to get Davis and Rodriguez up here. But I have no doubt that was part of it, too. Let me tell you what bothers me the most about this extended quote here from Hedges. It's that Major League Baseball and Charrington in particular have reached the point where it's okay in a lot of ways for players to not be able to hit, especially at the catcher's position. I was reminded of this a couple nights ago at PNC Park watching Luke Maley play for the Reds. Now, Maley had a a two-run double that should have been an out if Davis had caught it out in right field, but he's not a good hitter. And he is exactly the kind of catcher that Charrington has brought in from the very beginning. It's a bunch of 150 guys. And they think it's okay. They think this is acceptable. And that's the culture from which you hear Hedges speaking. He was thrown, totally thrown. You can hear it in those words by the booing. He didn't understand. He gets something like you heard a little line about he wasn't living up to his expectations offensively. Actually, yeah, he was. He was hitting the same thing for the Pirates that he hit for everybody else. What he wasn't prepared for is being in a city that's had a Major League Baseball team for a century and a half and knows when a player is playing a position every day that they can't be batting 150. That's why Jim Leland said what he did a month before Hedges was out of here. Leland, of course, publicly stating, I I don't care if you're the greatest defender of all time at any position. You can't play for me every day if you're hitting 150. The boomerang has to come back around on this. It really does. Again, generally with baseball, specifically with Charrington. There's no math that supports any superior level of defense, even at your three most important positions, catcher, shortstop, and center field, if the player is hitting 150. I don't care if they are the masters of your pitchers and everything that they do, and they're geniuses at game calling. It doesn't matter. 
It doesn't matter if they're hitting 150. That's the part that Hedges had hit him like a ton of bricks here. Not that we in Pittsburgh are some kind of monsters or whatever. That's the part that hit him. When we come back, J1Q. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern that's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Your front door. Your car. Your bike. Your computer. Your gun. Safety is a habit. Every day you lock and secure your home and everything you want to keep safe. Gun safety and responsible storage are no different and the best way to help prevent accidents, misuse, and theft. If you have a firearm, own it, respect it, and secure it. Visit ProjectChildSafe.org. Brought to you by the National Shooting Sports Foundation and the Bureau of Justice Assistance. Today's J1Q comes from Scott. He says, Hi DK, is it fair to say that Quinn Priester has absolutely no business pitching another game in the majors this season? Uh, That's a little tough, Scott. I'm going to reiterate that Priester's got a 9.1 ERA through a half dozen starts. He, last night, lasted five innings only because you could tell Derek Shelton was just not going to put up with a short start. Six runs, seven hits, three walks, two home runs, only three strikeouts, couple of wild pitches, 102 pitches, and 41 of those were balls. There's nothing, absolutely nothing to like about what he's done to date. I gave him, I felt like, a benefit of the doubt through the first three, four starts And then I was really impressed with an escape that he had in Milwaukee and how he engineered that escape, meaning he reared back, fired some fastballs, got some big outs. I liked the moxie, and I liked, for a change, the material with which he was dealing. And I'm going to go back to an outing of his that I covered in Sarasota against the Orioles this past spring in which all he did was try to sneak curveballs past the Baltimore lineup, which is, as everybody has seen since then, not an easy lineup to sneak anything by. And they did exactly what you would expect with a bunch of slow stuff. And I was wondering at the time, and I reported at the time, and I shared on this show at the time, Just a real puzzlement as to what it was that everybody had been seeing in Priester. When you go back to the pandemic, that was when Priester's big rise in the prospect rankings occurred. And I don't mean within the Pirates. I'm talking about within all of baseball. Baseball America had him, the mid-pandemic, 
like up in the top 20. I saw one outlet had him as high as seven. And like, it's a pandemic. So you don't see anything. You don't, you know, you don't have any contact with anyone. He was performing at a satellite camp in Altoona where they barely had enough non-COVID players to put together scrimmages. So how this assessment ever came about, I don't know. What did they like? If he's throwing 92, 93 miles an hour in 2023, he had better have either the most devastating off-speed stuff or the most precise command. He has neither. He's never had either. So what was the the fanfare? Well, oddly enough, it didn't come from the Pirates. I know people like to accuse them, and I actually find it kind of weird that they do, of you know building up the prospect pool and hyping all their young guys. Well, they're guilty of that, but they're just supposed to be. I mean, they're operating a business. They're trying to sell tickets and whatever else. But this... This emanated from the outside. This was Jim Callis, Baseball America, and ESPN. And, and Jim was the one that went wild over Priester. I have no idea why. I didn't then. I didn't in the springtime. And I don't now. Wonderful kid. You'd love him to meet him. And I'm not going to lie. Up in Milwaukee... A few days ago when I was up there with him, it, it was easy to to gravitate towards some semblance of hope with how he had performed in one situation on that one day. But when you're watching him now, I, I don't get it. I, I don't even look and, and see the way you can with some pitchers who, who struggle as starters. You go, wow, they, they might just end up a reliever. Well, yeah, but if you're a reliever in modern baseball, you got to bring the heat. You can say that about Luis Ortiz. You might even be able to say that about Rowanzi Contreras, depending on how that project turns out. But you can't say that about somebody who doesn't throw hard. Not in today's game. Now, there have been times, I feel like I should point this out before I sign off for the day, where Priester has hit 94, even 95. He did that day in Milwaukee. So is this another case of another pitcher mysteriously losing their velocity under Oscar Marine's watch? I mean, Marine is responsible for the entire organization's pitching philosophy, just as Andy Haynes is responsible for the organization's entire hitting philosophy. And if something happened to cost Contreras six, seven miles an hour off his fastball and Priester a vital, critical margin of even two or three miles an hour off his fastball, then maybe we're starting to get into something institutional, too. I don't know. I, I, I'm i not ready to, to answer your actual question. I'm not ready to throw Priester out. These games don't mean anything. But it sure isn't fun to watch, and it sure doesn't offer a whole lot of hope, either for the pitcher or for the organization. I appreciate the question. A very fair one. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. 